Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. You can listen and subscribe to the show for free on Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Blog Talk Radio, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. For network or show information, visit ByteRadio.me. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And today, my special guest is Tracy Dunblazer, and we'll be talking about her book, Conquer Your Karmic Relationships, Heal Spiritual Trauma to Open Your Heart and Restore Your Soul. Tracy Dunblazer takes an in-depth look at your karmic relationships the spiritual imprints and repetitive patterns that position you in life, the restoration of every soul and the systems that govern them get an overhaul. Karma is not punishment and reward. It is the reassurance that we will inevitably experience all that we are and all that we have created for others through reincarnation and spiritual patterning. Conquer Your Karmic Relationships will help you unearth the very core of what drives you, showing how to direct its power into usable, life-giving resources for you and all your relations. Tracy Dunblazer is a Los Angeles-based spiritual empath, shaman, and seven-time national award-winning author. As a multi-sensitive, Tracy's blend of intuitive information combined with different modalities, has provided the opportunity for many to achieve deep healing and create the success and peace they seek in their lives. For more information, you can visit Tracy's website, which is tracydunblazer.com, and that's T-R-A-C-E-E-D-U-N-B-L-A-Z-I-E-R, Com. And for more information about the book, you can visit BeAslayer.com. Okay, with that, I'd like to welcome Tracy to the show. Good day, Tracy. Good day. Nice to be here. Thank you. I am really looking forward to our chat, and um, uh, I'm ready to conquer a few <laughs> a few of these relationships here. <laughs> Get them over and done Excellent. <laughs> I want to be a slayer by the end of this hour. So, um, yes. Let's Let's start with, you know, I did mention a little bit in the introduction um, your view of karma, you know, and and the idea that it's not just punishment and reward. Would you um, explain to the listeners just, you know, your view of what karma is? Karma is spiritual patterning. Regardless of your religious views, we all come into this world with a soul that is ingrained with a series of patterns and set of information that guides how we perceive life. It sets up how we attract or repel certain things in life. And it is our baseline for how we begin this experience in life. And those patterns uh, they come up for review when they take us usually down down a path that doesn't feel good to us. So uh, your karma is revealed when you begin to take a look at the relationships that it sets up, like your relationship with food, uh, your relationship to yourself, your relationship to uh, friends, lovers, uh, and beloveds. Right, your romantic relationships or your familial relationships, um, all of those relationships begin to reveal the patterns that your soul has that you can take a look at, reevaluate, and then make a change so that you can move forward in life in a new way. Okay. So um, we come in with these spiritual imprints. And then I, I guess from that point forward, we use those imprints and modify or not, depending on our yes. life experience? 
Exactly. Okay. And okay. Uh, now, karma, karma. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say karma. now are 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 all those imprints first bad? Now you mentioned you know sometimes you know when they come up for reevaluation, it's kind of like not necessarily always a pleasant kind of experience. So are, are, are those imprints that we carry through um, just um, like negative or, or, or trauma-based? Uh, not necessarily. Um, I okay. think that the ones, uh, karma, these patterns that we have um, bring us awareness. The one thing that, uh, that is in between each pattern that we have and the way that we become aware of it is that we use grief to shift our energy, our beliefs, our thoughts, our feelings, uh, and then eventually our entire perspective on a subject matter. So uh, when you have a pattern, let's, let's say uh, karma, the, the word karma means action and reaction. So when you've taken okay. an action, it sends out a ripple in time and space. And that ripple of energy gains, it gains more either attention, right? It, it, gain, it gains uh, momentum over time and space. And, so, and what that means is that we continue to repeat the pattern or we don't. But eventually we, we gain an understand. our karma teaches us an understanding of what the impact we created for ourselves and others because of that action that we took. And that's why we think of karma as punishment and reward, like, oh, boy, he's really going to get what he deserves now, right? We think of it that way because uh, whoever he is, he eventually is going to have to go through a life experience, well, he, where, whether it's in this life or the next, where he understands that the action that he took had an impact and the value of that impact, how it felt, mm -hmm. what it did, what was the outcome, Right? So that's okay. what we call karma. Okay, so um, what, so if it's based on um, action and response, let's say instead of reaction, action and response, is, can we change our karma based on response, based on a change in response to those patterns? Absolutely. We, we change it by doing something different, uh, by, uh, by grieving the response that we witnessed, right? We, 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 change, we change the nature of it by uh, processing it through. We, we accept um, the reactions that our, our actions had on other people or the, or the results that it created for other people. We have remorse for it. We witness it another way, and we choose to do it differently when we have another opportunity, right? And so okay. that is how, that's how it changes. We, we change in it. We stop the pattern. That's, that's okay. uh, yeah, we stop the yeah. pattern. Yeah. This, this is a, a, a great way to personify this is for people who, um, my grandma used to call it, uh, they, had a, they have a bad picker when it comes to relationships. <laughs> which means they consistently choose people who, who aren't good for them or that challenge them in some way, shape, or form. When you've got a bad picker, you eventually have to realize that you are the common denominator to the relationships yeah. you continue to have and the way you have them. And then here's the tricky part. You have to say, you know what? Yes, I did that, and I, or yes, I'm doing that, or I want to be with this type of person, but I want – to be with this type of person right now because for some reason I, I feel compelled for the lesson it's going to give me or what I feel I need to reconcile for this person or myself by engaging in the relationship. It is only when you really accept that level of personal accountability that you are able mm. to say, you know what, okay, I think I'm done. I think I think I can walk away from this dynamic, this type of relationship, completely now because I get it. I get all the right. all the viewpoints that I didn't have before. Right. So, and once that happens, then is it um, from that point on? Do you basically create a new pattern, 
you know, um, one that doesn't follow the old. Um, and is it possible for those to reoccur? <laughs> Come back up, you know. I thought I had this taken care of. Yes. Well, um, I mean, absolutely. Here's the thing. There's so many levels uh, on which for something to be, to, like on which for it to be taken care of, meaning you've got the mental, okay. emotional, spiritual, and physical levels. So you can sh- stop okay. choosing. Uh, it, it's like there's not if you've heard of the term a, a dry drunk, but for someone who has been drinking uh, and then they stopped drinking, but their, their level of um, self-development stopped when they started drinking, even though they no longer drink, they call them a, a dry drunk because they're, they're kind of emotionally stuck in a particular perspective, usually the one that, that started them drinking in the first place. Right, so that person is going to have to go through a spiritual and emotional metamorphosis of grief okay. to really process, you know, who they are, why they are that way, and to forgive themselves for being that way, or forgive their situation that created it, so that they can start fresh. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense, you know, and you know, I just um, have known quite a few people who have you know, kind of been in that uh, bad picker kind of uh-huh. um, <laughs> that, that, you know, that has said to me before, you know, I thought I had this one taken care of. Um, so, but, but yeah, it does, you know, it, it's, I guess, important to recognize all, all of the levels. I mean, in order to, I guess, um, completely um, eliminate a bad pattern, then all levels need to be addressed. Yes, and 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 yeah. make no mistake about it. What once you once you stop participating in the physical uh, pattern of making those choices, um, the other levels in that case, you 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 might be attracted to somebody, but you're like, yeah, he he doesn't have a job, he doesn't have a home, he doesn't even have a car. I think I'm going to say no to that. <laughs> right? You might still be attracted. Yeah. You might have compassion. You might want to try to fix the situation, but you can, but even though you have that attraction or that desire, you can say, no, I'm not going to do that. Then when you, when mm. you've said no, and that no has, has taken root, then it, it, then it reveals to you why you choose to do that. What do you, what empowers you? People don't do things that don't empower them in some way. Even, even if you are a victim of something, we have those experiences because they are there ultimately on a spiritual level to teach us how to be empowered and powerful. Okay. Hmm. Now. Yeah, I, that's a deep. That's, uh, a, that's a deep uh, subject. Let me take that one. In. <laughs> uh, so now, are just as there are many levels you know, of dealing with that karmic pattern. Are there also different levels of karmic relationships? I mean, in the sense is, are all relationships karmic or are are karmic relationships uh, subsidiary, uh, a a section of one's relationships? Well, so how I describe that, because that's kind of yes, Yes, all our relationships are karmic relationships because all of our relationships uh, are based on the patterns that we are engaging in. And Mm. uh, what I think a lot of people think of when we think of karmic relationships is we think of our soulmates. And soulmates are the people that we attract and engage in relationships. Either they are, you know, dropped in our lap and we have these, you know, profound experiences with them or – our experience with them is life-changing, even for a short period of time, or they are teachers that show us or reveal to us something about ourselves that is that is powerful, right? We have we have a lot of different types of soulmates in our life, and they are the ones that that stand there and sometimes become so immovable that we must figure out what it is within ourselves we can move to shift the situation. Hmm. And those those we those people we call soulmates. Okay. And 
they, I mean, we have obviously more than one soulmate. I mean, you know, the idea when you say soulmates, you know, some people also still think that the one, there's one and only, they have a one and only kind of soul situation. Yes. And I, uh, well, in my life, some people, some people do, there some people have one huge major life changing relationship. I personally have had many. I mean, so many I have, I can't, I lost count. So I, I do think that my experience is unique, but it also makes me an expert. Um, so there are definitely some people who uh, their, their goal in life is to have very specific lines um, and uh, very minimal or simple stimulus to, to be able to live the life that they intended to live in coming here. Other people have a much more complex network of experiences um, because their goal is to process oftentimes grief or understanding or wisdom, whatever, whatever the, the, the soul's goal is. Um, mm-hmm. So you can have what, what, they, what they call a twin flame. Oftentimes these karmic relationships and twin flame relationships, even if you meet one of those, that doesn't mean that you are destined to be together forever because oftentimes those relationships require so much work and so much compromise and so much internal change that it's that and, and sometimes that that compromise shouldn't happen. Sometimes you, you you attract a soulmate so specifically to tell them no, specifically to stop right. the pattern of participation. So um, the 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 you, using soulmate as a synonym for a lifelong love is not right. exactly accurate. It does it does take a lot of love to and compassion to participate with the soulmates that we have. But oftentimes those relationships are meant to be to some degree temporal so that we can relate to life with them and then relate to life and who we are without them. Because ultimately who we are and who we can develop to be is what is the most valuable to us. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I, I find it, um, it, it's fascinating when when you look at us being a part of the whole, you know that that we are you know infinitely connected, you know to everyone and yes. everything in, in space and time. Um, it mm-hmm. it really it kind of really shifts your perspective, you know, in, in recognizing Absolutely. that you know it gives you it gives your actions a lot more import, you know, because it's it's going to be with you <laughs> for a while. Exactly. So the <laughs> so, exactly. And, you know, and if you can, you know, do that, a good, healthy, right. supportive, loving, you know, kind of relationships, you're going to, you know, you're going to help yourself in the long run in this life and in lives to come. So it's a good right. investment, and, I think. And, and, and there are no freebies. You know, every, every, everything takes work. And even yeah. if, you know, well, my parents have been together for 60 years and they've always loved each other. Well, wonderful for them, but make no mistake about it. They are just not sharing with you the amazing work that went in to, 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 to allowing that enduring relationship. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's very true. And it's really important to be careful about, well, I'm actually going to, that kind of will lead into an, another topic. You know, I would say that you want to be careful about judging, you know, judging one's life against, you know, others. Now, in, in your yeah. book, you indicate that the, the most difficult part um, of, the, of this uh, process was um, conquering um, judgment. And that, the most difficult was navigating judgment of your friends, family, and confidence over the years. So, yes. um, w- can you talk a little bit about, you know, the, you know, that your personal experience, you know, with with judgment and how that helped or hindered, and then what what role does judgment play in karma? Judgment is when. Judgment, we use judgment as a dynamic. When we judge another person, 
we are looking at what is true for us by like looking at what someone else is doing and saying, oh, you shouldn't do that. Well, what you're really saying to yourself is, I shouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. That is not for me, right? But what people tend to do is when, when they judge you, they want, they're doing their best to try to fit you into a box, and a box that is comfortable for them. So, for example, you know, for, for many, many years in my life, I had multiple relationships, all similar types of people. And I always, I, it, for me, I always chose them very consciously. There was, there was a deeper level of spiritual connection that I needed to investigate by engaging in that relationship with them. And that, there was this whole other subliminal level that eventually became conscious, right? This information became conscious for me, and it was these relationships that I engaged in that illuminated that for me. But the relationships, you know, when they were done, they were done. And oftentimes I had, you know, an enormous grief response. It wasn't, it wasn't that I was, that I couldn't even see, like I, I could see how and why the relationship needed to end, but that doesn't change the fact that you have to grieve it and process it out, and it hurts. And I found, found that the, the older I got, the more my friends would, they would try to set me up. They would try to uh, discourage me from participating in relationships because they did not want to witness my experience. And eventually, mm. when, when I understood this judgment that they were making of me, that somehow my life should be different than what I was doing or what was happening, I had to say, look, if you don't want me to talk to you about this, I'm happy to not do that. But I'm doing this for a reason because there's something that this engagement, this experience is going to bring to me that I need. And mm -hmm. all of those, the, those series of relationships is, is what really lifted the burden that I carried. I mean, I came into this life with a, with a, with a profound spiritual burden that – Every one of the relationships that I participated in helped me to understand why I did and what I could do about it. And so my, the relationships weren't always about the relationship, but it was about my relationship to myself. And I had an understanding mm -hmm. of that, but many people in my life did not. So, and, and, I, and so I, I use that as an example because I, I know that, you know, for, first and foremost, people are going to judge you because they can't imagine going through what you're going through. And that's okay. They don't need to. But you have to be accountable enough to say, hey, look, if this is uncomfortable for you, I won't share it with you. you know, but you need to know that no matter how painful it looks like it is for me, know that I'm embracing that process. Know that I know that it's expanding something within me that I, I won't at this time get another, get another way. Right, As long as people know that you are conscious in your choice and you embrace the emotional roller coaster that it takes you on, then they can, then they can be free to in, you know, enjoy the ride with you. Right? But, when, but when you are constantly feeling victimized, right, which means you judge yourself for what you're doing, when you judge mm -hmm. yourself, there is no freedom. So okay. we use – we use judgment because our unconscious mind wants our conscious mind to recognize something of value or meaning. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, you know, and it, I think it would be really beneficial uh, that whenever we catch ourselves judging, you know, to take that step back and, and mm -hmm. ask, you know, what what is this showing me and and in all likelihood, it would, I would think, um, um, kind of remove the, maybe the uh, a stigma or something that might be attached to the judgment. In, in other words, yes. it, it's not it's not a personal attack. You know, I mean, that's not what it's about. Right. It's, it's about an understanding. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, Very people people. People will judge what they don't know within themselves or what they resist knowing in themselves. Yeah. And, 
you know, if you're the one being judged, there's a point at which you have to forgive them for it and keep moving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's funny because as, as you were saying that, you know, the idea of the judgment and the awareness, um, whenever hypocrisy pops up, you know, the mm-hmm. idea of un- espousing a belief or something that is is like contrary to, you know, what they've stood for before. I mean, to me, that's like a, a very outward example of how um, one's circumstances present a situation for you to gain awareness and but you don't, <laughs> you know, but they, mm-hmm. but they didn't. I think at that moment in time, it appears that uh, the is there. So with, with that then, um, is it at that point when you recognize that it is, it's kind of like their thing, you know, that that's being uh, that's generating all of this, you know, commotion. Then mm-hmm. I, I guess once you recognize that there is no attachment, um, therefore there, you know, there's no need to judge. No need, you know. I mean, right. That's yeah. Well, so uh, what what, com- what comes to mind when you when you bring bring that up is that. Oftentimes, people have a pattern ingrained in them for a re- for a reason. I mean, and what, what I mean by that, I mean it's, it's there because it's it's intended to to teach to give them something that they don't yet have. And uh-huh. the process of that revealing happens over time, and it's not always going to be in the time frame that we might want for them, or even right. for ourselves. And so we have to, we ha- sometimes we are left with the responsibility of knowing that it's coming and being present and doing the work that we need to do until it arrives. And, and they're, they're really, when, when, when whatever it is that you needed actually arrives, that's when there is no detachment. I mean, no attachment. You really do feel detached you feel clear you you can see what it is and it doesn't make you feel anything but but openness and gratitude right mm-hmm. and that and that so the, the like in the self or in the metaphysical industry that light and love attitude gets made fun of quite often and rightfully so because oftentimes people who who portend to be light and love uh you know sometimes they have have they're they're human and they have deeper angers about things or they have issues as well but there really does come a time in your spiritual process when that light and love is truthful, and it re- and then and then it really doesn't matter. Like once you achieve that, once you get the information that you needed, and it might be a long suffering, you know, several decades to get there, or even several lifetimes <laughs> to get there. But when you arrive, uh-huh. it really is all okay. And and that's yeah. the thing that people, you know, there there is a place where that is a reality. And until you get there, you just have to stay with it and don't give up. Yeah. And don't let other people talk you out of giving up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a personal journey. Um, well, it gosh, is. we're already, already halfway through the show, Tracy. So I'm going to take just a quick break. Um, and then when we come back, I want to kind of dive into your book a little bit deeper about the different um, uh, parts of your book and the different types of relationships that you address. Okay? Wonderful. Everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows, along with an archive link 
that will give you access to more than 1,600 shows that we have had during the past 12 years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, nature photography, calendars, and 5 by 7 photo greeting cards. Our show is a free podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms on the top of our homepage. Our website, ByteRadio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone. Thank you for staying with us. Again, today my special guest is Tracy Dunglazer, and we're talking about her book and her work, uh, Conquer Your Karmic Relationships, Heal Spiritual Trauma to Open Your Heart and Restore Your Soul. Um, again, for more information about the book, you can visit baslayer.com. And then for more information about Tracy um, and her other services, you can visit tracydunblazer.com, and that's T-R-A-C-E-E-D-U-N-B-L-A-Z-I-E-R.com. Okay, with that, we're back, Tracy. Wonderful. I'm back with you. <laughs> Good. Thank you. Um, okay, so the title of your book is Conquer Your Karmic Relationships. So can you, you know, and, and then your your book site is Be a Slayer. So can you tell us about the Conquer Slayer approach? Yes. So uh, Conquer Your Karmic Relationships is the third book in a series called the Demon Slayer's Handbook series. And that's where Be a Slayer came about is I was born with what I, what I call uh, – I, I was born being demonically challenged as a child. I would literally have <laughs> spiritual demonic visitations and oh had to God. figure out what to do with them, you know, how, how to deal with that, how to uh, – I, I didn't communicate it to anybody. I did I – I went to every church possible as a kid. Um, but I was psychic, telepathic, empathic, uh, and eventually in my later years I developed being clairaudient and clairvoyant. Um, but I had these very visceral experiences as, as a child, and um, I would have dreams. I was very much haunted and had night terrors and had, had haunt, was haunted by my dreams. And so the first book, mm. Master Your Inner World, Embrace Your Power with Joy, is about my, my transition slash triumph in A, slaying those demons, but on a deeper level, I really wanted to use the, the D word to help people understand that it's a, it's a, it's a, well, it's actually a construct really created by, the, uh, by Christianity. No, no other world religion has uh, the same exact relationship to the construct. Um, and people, people who are affected by them are the most fearful of them. And so using the word even becomes intimidating, and, it, and I found that it, it disempowered people. So, I, you know, I really want people to be able to uh, feel empowered and knowledgeable enough to, to address anything they may have going on in their life, right? That, 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 that to me, and, and to not call it mental illness. You know, there, there are a lot yeah. of things that are, in fact, mental illness, but, you know, seeing demons and otherworldly beings isn't necessarily one of them. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, so, so I, so I wrote that book um, and the entire series so that people could could walk with me on my journey and and through that experience see their own journey and and apply some of the the ideas and concepts that are set up uh, to them to to themselves, which which leads us to the third book, um, which is uh, conquer your karmic relationships, and so. You go dealing with the idea in the first book of being victimized uh, and in your relationship to the outside world to then 
traversing uh, the idea of past, present, and future, right? Mm. One of the things as you begin to really look into your uh, spiritual makeup, when you think of the idea, if you don't, if you don't have a construct in your philosophy that allows for a uh, past life history, you've got to make sense of mm. the spiritual imprints that you have that come up to you uh, or come up for you in, in life, the, the different elements of your personality that are attracted uh, and feel at home in maybe a different culture than you were born into or a, a different country or a different uh, ethnicity, right? We have all of these different elements of who we are as human beings that every soul will, will come in with, with their own smattering of experience in relationship to those things. And I wanted to create a space for the people who have those experiences. And again, the, the, the final book is the conquering of your own karmic relationships, which means how you view the world, right? So uh, one of the, the first things that we view the world through is our relationship to our resources and our currency, which is our money and food. And, I talk about how uh, many spiritual imprints that I carried impacted my relationship to food growing up. I used to, I, this, when I think about this today, <laughs> I, just, I, I, I grew up in, in, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I was just a, a well, appear, I appeared to others as a regular kid. Uh, my father <laughs> did die early, but, but in general, everything was, was, was regular in my life, and I would hoard food. Myself and one of my uh, neighbors that lived up the street, one of my neighborhood uh, girlfriends, she and I would collect food. We would take food from our respective refrigerators, and we would we would hide behind these shrubs in my front yard, and we would dig up, we dug a hole, and we would hide this food. Ooh. And 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 maybe a few days later, we would we would we would meet and and eat some of it. But it was, and and of course, you know, sometimes it would obviously go bad. Um, but, uh, and, and then we throw it out. But, but the fact that I, I felt, I felt like I needed to hoard this food. It, it gave me a sense of yeah. safety that I couldn't explain. It's not a rational thinking. It's not, it's not logical. And I, and I wasn't, you know, a messed up kid. And I, I didn't have all of these, uh, actual symptoms in my, in my this lifetime to yeah. alert me to, to why I was doing that. And so it really made me. Uh, dig more deeply into all of these imprints, images, dreams, visions, etc. experiences that I had that that were intended to lead me to the deeper levels of how I related to the world through food and money. So uh, that that's one of the relationships. Another relationship is uh, your rela- relationship to romantic love and your ancestors. Because how we relate, uh, there is who we are biologically related to. And then we also have spiritual ancestors. You know, if you believe in past lives or you don't, uh, you can frame it that you had past lives in other ethnicities and cultures and times and spaces. And that input, that information uh, formed some of the knowledge or wisdom that you carry today that you clearly didn't get from your current situation, right? But you, you brought it in with you to use it in your current situation, right? And so that's how uh, we relate to our ancestors in uh, the format sometimes of our romantic relationships in this lifetime. Uh, and, and by the way, both the the first one with the relationship to food and money, you have in a, in a section called plenty, and on, yes. in the romantic and ancestry, it's affinity. Um, and I yeah, think that uh, kind yes. of people get an idea of uh, the content a little bit. Um, yes. and, and then you had unity, you know, relationship to others and environment. Um, Tell, tell us about that. Yeah, to me, that's one of the, the most important uh, understandings, because we, we learn the most about us by being ultra aware of our relationships to ourselves, to the way we treat other beings like plants and animals, 
um, how mm-hmm. we respond to the wind or water or fire, right? There are elements that, that we also have relationships to, but it is our ability to communicate and to recognize who we are by recognizing that we are all interconnected in some way, that what brings me pain in some way also brings you pain. So when I heal my pain, it offers you the opportunity to heal your pain, right? And that, and we, you know, we have our microcosm, those people, places, and things that, you know, the, the, the city, state, uh, and then country that you live in, that's, that's your microcosm starting, starting in the small space, the neighborhood, and, and moving out, mm-hmm. right? But then, but then you have, you know, what ethnicity you were born into, what, uh, what spiritually you are aligned with. Right there are so many different levels. What animals you are attracted to and that speak to you, right? So uh, how you interact with those things and the and the respect and dignity that you offer them is often the the respect and div- dignity that you offer to yourself. And yeah, I, I, I like that. <laughs> that's like mic drop. <laughs> Right there. <laughs> and, you know, and the, the thing is, is I don't, I mean, I, I don't think people give um, enough recognition to the importance of environment, the connection with environment. Now, you know, right now we're, you know, that we're in this, you know, planetary mess that we're in, you know, and yes. environment and. Yeah, all of that kind of stuff is being um, is in the forefront, you know, of discussion right now. So I think you know people um, are at least questioning um, that connection, if not recognizing it. So it seems that that's right. the. But also, it seems. It, it, what's your feeling about the the, the current state of it seems? apparent upheaval, you know, I mean, the, the, just the uh, diversity and the, and, and division, the, the focus on the shadow aspects of kind of what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. What's feeling about um, its, uh, its role? I, I, yeah, it's role. I, I can, I, I can, I can dive right into that. Um, Perfect. <laughs> first of all, let me <laughs> let let me let me read you uh, a, a short one-line quote from the book from Unity, okay. and it, and it says, "Unity is the coming together of all the parts of ourselves, loved, misunderstood, and unknown." And that is exactly what is beginning to happen. There there are several major uh, 25,000 year cycles that are beginning that are that are in upheaval right now. One is a political upheaval. One is an earth changes upheaval, and another is interpersonal conflict. So conflict within ourselves and conflict with each other. There are a lot of people out there who they're they're really suffering in some way because they they have now been awakened to dynamics in our cultural society, i.e. the relationship between um, different ethnicities and the the illusion of skin color Mm -hmm. and the illusion of superiority and inferiority and the illusion of lack and loss and disempowerment, right? So people, people, a lot of people are waking up uh, to the idea of racism it's always been there. They just didn't know, nor did they really understand when people talk about systemic racism, which means an entire system that is automatically set up. That when we say a, a systemic racism, it means that the system I grew up with, the educational books that I learned from, the only information that I received geared me to believe a certain way about black and brown people even if I'm a black or brown person, right? So that's what we mean by systemic. And it's not about blaming or finding fault. It's about taking responsibility for where you, in fact, 
have bias because we all do based on our experiences, based on our education, and based on, uh, for lack of a, a better way to say it, the, the way in which we were brainwashed by the system. So it is our own personal internal job to make those recognitions and make those changes and, you know what, have, have an uncom uncomfortable conversation of honesty and ask questions if you don't, if you don't understand something. You know, but, but be willing to talk about it and walk through it with, you know, whomever you're around. So right. uh, all of this is happening because if we can't find a way to be good to ourselves, we won't mm -hmm. be good to each other, and, right. and, and, we, and we are not good to the planet. And here's, and here's, right. the, <laughs> here's, the, here's, the, here's, the, here's the really powerful footnote. The planet does not care. You know, the planet <laughs> is powerful, and Mother Nature yeah. will do what it is that she needs to do for her own survival. She has done it for billions uh, of years, right? So yeah. instead of focusing on the doomsday idea of that, right, because that's, that's a powerful thing. You know, when you are a sensitive, empathetic person, and, and someone says that, oh, my God, that – you know, that, that's enough to make you go crawl in the closet and stay there for a few weeks. It's scary and it's upsetting, rightfully so. But how you, how you take authority of that is you start to be kinder to yourself. You start to speak more nicely to yourself. You pay attention to the little behaviors that diminish your sense of yourself or that bring you fear. You know, you, you reestablish your relationship to your environment, which is nature, and you reestablish your relationship to your higher self or the God that you worship, right, whatever it is, which, uh, which leads us to um, the, the last two sections in the book. And the, the next one uh, in which I really address a lot of elements about social justice and our relationships to ourselves and our own power is – I wanna, I'm going to read it aloud because uh, I don't want to flub it, but it's, um, it's part four. It's mastery, your karmic relationship to authority, fear, hate, and death. Because here's the thing. Hate, hate is the enmity that keeps us attached to an idea so that we can fully understand our, its impact on us and our impact on it. And once we've resolved that inner conflict within ourselves, we, there's, no, there's no more need to hate, right? We, st we literally cease to hate, and that's when hate becomes love, when, when we start to experience compassion because there is no need to further attach to that idea of place or thing, right? So uh, authority, our, our, our ability to be powerful without diminishing another person, right? We can be powerful mm – -hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, people, without making somebody else less. Right. Um, yeah. And so, I, you know, we are all responsible for building the bridges that allow us to eventually, again, and the ultimate thing is, is dealing with our relationship to death. We are all going to die. You know, here in America right now, <laughs> I'm working on, on, on a new book, and it's on uh, grief. It's called transformative grief. And mm -hmm. I spend a lot of time on on death and dying in in the book because until you really face what death looks like, how it feels, what happens to you on all levels of yourself in that process, uh, why it happens, uh, that there no matter. In, in any death, there is a process leading up to it, and whether you know about it or you don't. Right? It could be an accident, but there's still a subliminal process that's happening in your life because your spirit knows it's about to check out. Right? Yeah. And, and we resist, especially here in America, we resist being witness to that process um, because, because it brings us fear. You know? And, and, and if, we, if, if that's true, then what else is true? What else are we telling ourselves that is a lie? Right, so there, there's a whole slew of reasons why why we avoid death, but to face death allows you to be able to fully live and to feel at peace and free 
and and to really cultivate the freedom what what freedom what freedom is you know we yeah. we live in America the land of the free but it's not necessarily free <laughs> right because we're still in the yeah. transactional the, the transactional relationship of freedom i contribute this you contribute that right we are still living in a dualistic relationship to freedom that isn't that isn't really free but there there is a truthful universal freedom that we all have access to and we are the only ones that can give it to ourselves right so uh that's that's another relationship that then leads us to the final chapter which is infinity and it's your karmic relationship to sexuality creativity spirituality and the divine which are all the different frequencies of creativity and freedom that we experience and it starts with our sexuality and the way we become inspired in the physical world not just through you know sex and intercourse that 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 offers us a reflection of what we have access to right but it 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 uh it creates the building blocks for us to understand the deeper level of relationship that we have to all that we are or the creator is what I call it. Yeah. Wow. You, you cover relationships on every level there, you know, and, and so uh, people can um, really improve their relationships in, in, um, just in, in many ways by um, reading the book. Now, in the book, uh, in, in these sections, in the part, um, you begin with a parable. Um, then you kind of cover everyday some everyday challenges um, that can relate to it, and then um, end with a, a self-help ritual. So, can you tell us a little bit about the the idea of what you know, what kind of parable, you know, and maybe an example of a self-help? Yes. So, um, well, let's see. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, the unity parable. Um, Okay. That was a really powerful uh, – many, many years ago, I had a dream, and in it, I was an, I was an Inu shaman. And that was I – le- I was left with that idea in my mind, and I woke up, and I was like, what is that? I don't even know what that is. And I was trying to remember how it was spelled, and how, how it is spelled now is not how it was spelled to me in my dream. But when I Googled it, when I got up in the morning, I actually found – the original spelling that I had in in the dream, and it it uh, that dream had such a deep impact on me. And and this the the story of the parable is me and my the, the Ainu were people who lived uh, many thousand like I, I'm uh, t- ten or twelve thousand years ago. Uh, the Ainu people now still exist. Um, they are a part of uh, a set of islands in between Japan and. Um, Siberia and, and Russia, and mm-hmm. they currently, I think, are controlled by Japan. But Pan took over, like any colonialistic experience, the, the Japanese came and took over that indigenous culture of the Inu, and so the culture is very different than my spiritual memory of the culture. So the story I wrote is about, is, was about a time, you know, 10 or 12,000 years ago, when we really did have this natural intrinsic relationship to every being in our environment, every animal, hmm. uh, every person, you know, other tribes, there, there wasn't the, there wasn't the, the conflict happening in the, in the same way. There was more of a sense of unity and, and an ability to use the entire environment. And in this case, the entire Island, in this case, uh, uh, the Ainu shamans, so they're a, a, a male and female. They they are a married couple, and they have a son, and the son uh, goes away. He he crawls away uh, one early morning, and almost gets run down by a bunch of wild boars. And in seeing this, uh, this great bird comes and 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 scoops scoops up the little boy and takes him to a place of safety. And at the point at which the mother realized what's happened, she, she then goes and she goes to the shamans and she says, hey, uh, I need you to help me find my child. And they do. And they, they call upon every animal on the island. 
and within moments that child is found and the message circulates from every animal to, to on the island back to the shamans to and to the mother who's lost her child and they and they are reunited and so it's it's really the understanding that we uh, telepathically communicate that we are all unified if we will allow it um, and that it is a resource that we really could use but we don't so yeah. uh, when when you when you when you read the parables, sometimes here, here's the thing, spirit. When I started this this series, I was like, okay, what what is the angle? I couldn't I couldn't get it. I couldn't understand the angle of how I could put together all of this information in the same place. And spirit led me led he said, tell your story first. And and eventually mm-hmm. I came to understand that when we open to something on a creative level which means it doesn't have to be true. It may be true, could be true, but it doesn't matter if it's true. We can just fully engage in the creative aspect of understanding the story. That opens us up then to the concepts that come after the story, which are the how-to section. And so it leaves, it leaves people in a creative space open to the new ideas that they can then take those ideas and, and manage them through their own viewpoint. They don't have to take on my viewpoint or my truth. They can say, well, what, mm-hmm. if, what if this is true in this way? You know, I can see if, if, I, if I framed it this way, it fits in my religion. Or if I frame it this way, I'm comfortable thinking about it. And I'm good with that. Because ultimately, we all need to change a little bit to start. You know, you got, you got to pick somewhere and you got to change. You got to do it. You got to plant that seed of transformation that allows you to find a place where you can be, where you can accept yourself fully and be peaceful and then ultimately accept others. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you is basically planting the seeds or, 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 or opening the door to like an awareness, you know, of, of mm-hmm. you know, this, exactly. this, give me this concept and, and then how does it apply to, to my life? And I think that's pretty much how guidance works, you know, that, that we, you know, we're, we're given um, a particular um, insight, and yeah. we choose what we, what we do with that. So, exactly. Casey, this the hour has flown by. This has been a real treat. I really want to thank sure you for your time today. <laughs> it's really my pleasure. I know. I I I can't believe the hour went by so fast. It does. Well, I've often found that uh, when the conversation is interesting, you get into that zone, you know, and that time is mm-hmm. time is not mm, the point. <laughs> kind exactly. Of, you, you well, thank you for your time. Now, if people want to get in touch with you, um, what's the best way to do that? Uh, you know what? The one thing you didn't mention was my uh, was uh, Tracy Dunblazer Spiritual Empath on Facebook. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Right. I'm on uh, uh, Twitter uh, at go at Tracy Dunblazy and Instagram at go Tracy. So any one of those platforms, uh, you can instant message me or email me. Uh, and actually, my phone number is on on the site too. So if you if you need something and are interested in a session uh, or have a question about the kind of work I do, feel free to reach out. Absolutely. That 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 shamanism and mediumship is a whole other show. <laughs> uh, but, it is. It absolutely uh, is. I, now I've got you on Instagram. I'm following you on Instagram and Twitter, and I'll be sure to add in the, the LinkedIn and Facebook. So thank you for your time, Tracy. It's really been, been fun. Yeah, it's really been my pleasure, and have a magnificent uh, rest of your week. Thank you, and you have a wonderful 2020. Thank you. Twenty twenty two. What am I doing? I'm kind of going back to a couple years. A brand new year. A wonderful new year. Okay, everyone. Again, today my special guest has been Tracy Dunn Blazer, and we've been talking about her new book, Com- Conquer Your Karmic Relationship, Heal Spiritual Trauma to Open Your Heart. And again, you can find out more by about the book by visiting baslayer.com and find out more about Tracy visiting her website, which is tracydunblazer.com. 
So everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Blog Talk Radio, Amazon Music, and Audible. To follow our show on any of those platforms, visit ByteRadio.me and select the one you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.